Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Deb Bowen. And I'm Samantha Fay. And we are so excited that you have joined us this week. We're going to do an episode that harkens back to one that we did a long time ago. Samantha, I don't even remember quite how long ago it was. And I'm not sure what has happened. But recently we have gotten a spate of emails asking us to revisit the concept of vortexes and a little on ley lines, so we'll touch on that at some point. And we're really happy to do that because these are the kind of rabbit holes that Samantha and I love to go down. Before we start, let me just do a little grammar caveat here. The proper plural of the word vortex is vortices, but that's fallen out of common usage. So now we will follow the newer trend and use the term vortexes in this episode. So let's dive in. Let's first talk about what a vortex is. When people say, oh, there's a vortex in Sedona, what do they mean? They mean a swirling mass of energy. And sometimes there are physical, tangible results of that swirling mass of energy. And that's one of the reasons that Sedona is so famous for its vortexes is because you can see at a vortex place around Sedona, two trees, for example, standing next to each other, one of which is just a normal tree looking like a regular, you know, pinyon pine, for example. And the tree next to it, trunk is swirling and turning, and it looks like somebody has twisted it like a washcloth. And that's wow. what you can see with a vortex. But we also can feel them when we are standing in the middle of one. It's I liken it to a tornado, but not but not in a negative way, just that notion of, of energy swirling in that direction. And I think that as far as I have been able to research, they swirl in clockwise directions. Yeah, and from what I read, they can be masculine or feminine. Yeah, I read that too, and I don't know what that means. I don't really either, but what I researched said that since a vortex is created when excess energy accumulates in one spot, the excess energy can either form as it enters the earth, making it feminine, or as it leaves the earth, making it masculine. But I'm not sure how you would determine if the energy is entering or leaving if it's swirling. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you maybe some people can see them. When I have been out west, and I've not been to Sedona, but I've been to Taos and Santa Fe and Albuquerque and some of those other places. And certainly I can, I've been able to feel it, but could I sense 
which direction it was moving in, not not necessarily, but that may be about me and not about the vortexes. Good so point. let me just talk a bit about Sedona while we're on that subject. Uh, Deborah Nets Burns in a November 2023 LA Times article had this to say about some of these most famous vortexes, the ones in and around Sedona, Arizona. She says, quote, the rock formation known as Kachina Woman rises like an obelisk out of a cool green canyon. At its base, more than three dozen women are tucked into crevices in the rust-colored stone, their faces turned towards the warm Arizona sun. Some sit with their legs crossed, others are curled in a fetal position. They did not all come together, but they came for the same purpose, to soak up the energy of one of the most popular vortexes in Sedona. Surrounded by towering mesas and spectacular vistas and located on the ancestral home of the Yavapi, I think I'm pronouncing it right, people, the small town of Sedona has long been a destination for New Age seekers and the astrologers, psychics, tarot readers, shamans, and healers who cater to them. For the last 40 years, these spiritual pilgrims have been drawn to the region by tales of its mysterious energy vortexes. Definitions vary, but Sedona's vortexes are generally understood to be geographical sites of invisible and potent spiritual energy, usually associated with specific rock formations. So I think she's captured very nicely there the, the idea of what people experience or want to experience when they go to these sacred places where there's such uh, an amazing energy. And here she's talking about specifically vortexes related to the landscape, the, the rock formations, for example, out in the American Southwest. And we'll come back later and talk more about Sedona and other well-known vortex locations. This idea of energy movement, a vortex, that we cannot see is as old as Plato, the Greek philosopher who lived around 427 to 347 BC. Plato stated that Earth's basic structure evolved from a simple geometric shape to more complex geometric shapes. These shapes became known as the platonic solids, named after him. They are cube, tetrahedron, octahedron, dodecahedron, and isosahedron. Plato associated each shape with one of the elements, earth, fire, air, ether, and water. The Earth's energy grid, from the beginning of its evolutionary course, has evolved through each of these shapes to what it is today. Each shape, superimposed one upon the other, create a kind of encompassing energy field that is the very basis of Earth holding it all together. And these energy fields move and rotate, forming vortexes in various places around the globe. So here's what I think I just said. Plato gave us this idea that there are geometric structures that work together, cubes, triangles, that all work together to form this grid that encompasses the planet. It's as if the planet is held in a 
bubble of lines and connecting energies. That was his concept of what a vortex and an energy grid is like. And he said this energy field is what holds the earth together and that it moves. This energy field moves and rotates and in specific places when certain lines and grids come together, they form these vortexes. I think that's a really interesting concept. It makes sense though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And so these these ideas led to the concepts of ley lines and vortexes, that it's all connected because of the way energy flows in linear patterns around the planet, cross and combine and form these vortexes, which again, makes a lot of sense if you think about it that way. Some theorize that the word lay may derive from the Saxony word meaning fire. However, Paul Devereaux, who is the former editor of Lay Hunter magazine, says that lays is an Anglo-Saxon word meaning cleared strips of ground or meadows. And I think the most easily understood concept is that ley lines are invisible lines that circle Earth, connecting the energy of sacred sites to each other. Unlike longitude and latitude lines, they do not measure distance, but rather create energy fields known since prehistoric times. Much research on ley lines and energy fields has been conducted since Plato's work, of course, but let's fast forward a minute to the 20th century. Do you want to talk about what happened after World War I? Yeah, a, a British Army engineer named Major F.A. Menes, who was also a surveyor, moved to France to do investigations about these energies on Earth. And he was very interested in the study of radiesthesia. This is the ability to sense energy and forces from people, objects, and the Earth. That word is often shown when you're studying pendulum movements. So he also, while studying this concept, took an interest in the feng shui system of geomancy, he saw Chinese geomancers' compasses in museums in Paris, which had been brought from China by Jesuit missionaries. He made drawings of one of these amazing compasses and eventually constructed a modified version. By learning how to use the Chinese geomancers' compass in conjunction with his British army compass, he was able to locate earth energy alignments, i.e. ley lines, and also sources of noxious energy, which were creating areas of geopathic stress and ill health. Eventually, Major Menes returned to England, where during the 1940s, he carried out more research using both of his compasses at the ancient megalithic site of Stanton Drew, and I have been there, six miles south of Bristol in the southwest of England. Stanton Drew is comprised of several megalithic stone circles, which are said to probably date back to 3000 BC. They show several astronomical alignments and are believed to have been associated with solar or fire worship in pagan times. While investigating the st stones at Stanton Drew, Major Menez had an extraordinary experience, which he subsequently related to a friend and fellow surveyor, whose name was George Sandwith. Major Menez said, although the weather was dull, there was no sign of a storm. 
just at a moment when I was rechecking a bearing on one of the stones in that group, it was as if a powerful flash of lightning hit the stone. So the whole group was floodlit, making them glow like molten gold in a furnace. Rooted to the spot, unable to move, I became profoundly awestruck as dazzling radiations from above caused the whole group of stones to pulsate with energy in a way that was terrifying. Before my eyes, it seemed the stones were enveloped in a moving pillar of fire, radiating light without heat, writhing upwards towards the heavens. On the other hand, it was descending in a vivid spiral effect of various shades of color earthward. In fact, the moving, flaring lights gyrating around the stones had joined the heavens and the earth. Now, well, I guess I guess you can see vortexes then, because that's a description of what I imagine one would look like. He certainly did describe it to me. I, I agree with you. You know, um, I have been to Stanton, Drew, and I'll post a picture that I posted before, actually, on our Facebook page where I'm standing at probably the largest of the stones. Stanton Drew is not nearly as well known as Stonehenge because the stones are not connected. But in terms of, of space and circumference, Stanton Drew is the largest megalith site in Great Britain. And it's out in the middle of a cow pasture. And I didn't see any flaring lights or moving energy as he describes, but I sure felt it. A tingling sensation on my arms and up my spine and around my head. I knew, particularly standing at the, the stone where there's a photograph of me, I knew I was in the presence of some kind of energy force. I, Stanton Drew affected me profoundly to, to be there. Other theorists also have connected the concept of ley lines and vortexes. Examples include the Hartman lines, the Curry lines, the Becker-Hagen's grid map, there are many rabbit holes you can go down to look at this notion of this connected grids of energy. One of the most prolific researchers has been Dr. LaForce Clark. He explored what he called a bow-shaped diamagnetic energy vortex shaping the land and a smooth curve on the African continent. We can also see the same curving formation created by the east coast of India and the west coast of the China, Korea, Vietnam area of Asia. This vortex is balanced between points 24 and 13. So we remind ourselves that these smooth curves illustrate the spiraling nature of the superstrings that make up these geometric energy fields, here expressed as spiraling lines of magnetic force. So what's important about Dr. Clark's work is that it reminds us that vortexes have been recognized and used by indigenous people from around the world since before time. In an article in Yoga Journal, Arthur Hannah Lott Schwartz writes, indigenous cultures, both ancient and contemporary, recognize the geological power. Just look at Ayers Rock or Machu Picchu, Monument Valley, and Halikala Crater, noted energy centers held sacred first by their respective traditional custodians. It's with that in mind that a land acknowledgement accompanies the vortex destinations. Now, she does caution readers to be respectful and knowledgeable about the people and the land upon which vortexes exist. And I think that's important because we have seen stories recently of people kind of decimating these areas and, and trampling all over them. 
In the United States, while Sedona is the most recognized vortex energy center, there are others we'd like to mention. Interestingly, several of them are in California. A 2015 article on NPR explores the vortex stories about Mount Shasta, for example. Ashlyn, owner of Shasta Vortex Adventures, tells NPR, the Native Americans have always felt that the mountain was the sacred center of the universe. They even have stories that talk about being the home of the creator. Mount Shasta straddles the territories of the Shasta, Wintu, Achumawi, Atsugui, and Modoc tribes. Not surprisingly, the imposing mountain shows up in a lot of tribal myths and stories. It's especially important to the Wintu tribe, who trace their people's origin back to a sacred spring on the mountain. They've always done their sacred ceremonies there, and they continue to do them to this day, she says. Every August, they do their ceremonies for just the tribe and their invited guest. Now, Hannah Lott Schwartz also adds, according to the Esalen, a small indigenous tribe who lived in Big Sur's Ventana Wilderness in California, for 6,000 years before missionaries came along promising salvation, the world began at a backcountry peak now known as Pico Blanco, and in Ventana's hot springs, they found spiritual renewal, strengthening, and cleansing. Though its vortex worthiness is debated, this stretch of magnificent Central California coastline has a history of healing and power, which has attracted multiple retreat and Zen centers. The Gateway website published an article just last year on some lesser known vortexes in the U.S. For example, Eureka Springs in the Ozark Mountains of Northern Arkansas is home to waters said to be imbued with healing properties and a spa resort area has developed in the area alleges to be a vortex. Interestingly, St. Augustine, Florida, America's oldest city, also is said to have vortexes and is in an area of intense spiritual energy. Now, there are, I think, the most famous vortexes in our country would be concentrated in Sedona, but it is interesting to think about undiscovered vortexes or maybe not as popular vortexes throughout America as well. I want to talk for a minute about one of the most famous vortexes in America. It's called the Chapel of Holy Cross, and this is the vortex in Sedona. Many say this is the strongest vortex. There's a gorgeous red rock formation rising up that's called the eagle. The eagle's head is said to protect the chapel from negativity. People who have visited the vortex say it's filled with love, peace, and a sense of oneness. The chapel was commissioned by Margaret Brunswick Stodd, a rancher and sculptor, who had this idea of a type of church building, almost like she wanted to do it almost like an empire state building built into the rocks. The chapel is built in Cocorino National Forest land. It took 18 months to build and cost $300,000 in 1956. You can still attend mass there or just walk around admiring the beautiful artwork or participate in the prayer service. And so there's a lot of people who will go there just to kind of sit in the energy to meditate. They'll do cord cutting ceremonies there or healing work or intentions. And people feel that it's a definitely a life-changing experience, kind of like what you were describing with your experience at the Rocks in England. As you're talking about this lovely place, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I could energetically differentiate when I'm in the midst of a vortex energy like, like we're describing in this episode, or when I'm just being enthralled and entranced by the energy of a holy spiritual place in general. As you were talking about this chapel in, 
in uh, Sedona, I was also thinking about the experience I had in Lorenzo Chapel in Santa Fe. And that was a life-changing experience. And boy, could I feel all sorts of energy there. And I don't know that it was a vortex energy. Am I making sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you totally are. Isn't that the chapel that supposedly like St. Joseph helped build? Or didn't the nuns have like a magical man come and... He did. That's the one. And it's right downtown Santa Fe. And they ran out of money before they could build a ladder to the choir loft. And this guy named Joe showed up. Honestly, that's what his name was, Joe. So he showed up and said, oh, I'll build it for you. You know, and they're like, yeah, right. Okay. We don't have any money to pay you. Why have any wood? whatever. And so the nuns got up the next morning and there was the staircase, this beautiful spiral staircase, and Joe was gone. But the staircase is made from wood from Israel. Yeah. And it's like a salt, like they don't know how it was built. It's, it's, uh, it's quite, quite a beautiful mystery. So I do know what you're talking about. And I wonder if certain places are special because they're on ley lines, others because they're on vortexes and others simply because they have been imbued with so much spiritual energy from consistent prayer. Right. And I don't have an answer for that, but it's fascinating to think about how all of that might come together or not whenever we are aware. For me, I think a lot of this has to do with awareness, you know? Yeah, that's so true. Just slowing down and paying attention to where you are and how you're feeling. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the vibrations that we can experience in these magical places and how to bring that into our everyday. I'm excited to let everyone know that in April, I'm teaching my Be Your Own Psychic class. This is a live four-week class that guides you in opening and strengthening your intuition. In addition to our Zoom classes, you'll also receive handouts and guided meditation MP3s each week. Plus, you're partnered up with classmates to practice intuitive exercises in real time. It's a great way to build community, grow your confidence, and strengthen your psychic abilities. The class will be taught over the four Wednesdays in April. That's April 3rd, 10th, 17th, and 24th. Go to samanthafay.com and click the Upcoming Events tab to register. You can also find all my crystal bracelets on my website, which are handmade by me and blessed with positive intentions. How about you, Deb? So many of you have asked me to create an in-depth, ongoing weekly course that dives deeply into Tarot. And I'm thrilled to announce that the course you've requested is ready to launch. The course is called The Fool's Calling, Your Personal Myths and Archetypes in Arcane Symbols. In this exciting self-paced course, you'll venture deeply into the myths, legends, beliefs, and cultures of Tarot, and you'll explore why certain symbols are present on the keys and so much more. To register, visit my website at debbowen.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back. 
So Deb, let's talk about what can all of this beautiful energy, I mean, sure, we can travel to Machu Picchu or Stonehenge or the pyramids in Egypt and experience this wonderful energy, but what does this really mean for us? I think that's a great question because as I said before the break, I think it's really about awareness. It's about connection. But here's what energy does. And this is, Deb does quantum physics 101, okay? But everything vibrates. Everything as a vibration. The other night, I, I really was having a very hard time going to sleep, which is unusual for me. And so I found a, a YouTube thing and listened to bowls chiming, you know, to put myself to sleep. And I was listening to and feeling in my body the vibrations of the different tones on the different bowls. Within 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I can go to sleep now. Thank you very much. We all vibrate at different rates. And when I say all, I mean everything. I mean you and me and the computer that we're working on and the crystal around my neck. Everything has a vibratory rate. That's basic quantum physics 101. And so when we have an awareness and a connection to various vibrations and can match that vibration, then we become in communication, in communion with it. Or here's an example. One of the things that I do, and I've said this on the show many times before, before a hurricane is coming, is I go outside and I put my hand on every tree on the ground in which I live. And I just put my hand on that tree. And it says, if I can feel the life force in that tree, but I take a deep breath and I try very hard to slow my vibration down so that that tree and I are communicating. And I can say to it, thank you so much for what you're doing. Please hold strong. This storm will pass. We will get through this together. And there's this notion in my head that I can feel that connection between the two of us. The same is true with crystals. If you look at almost any crystal book, particularly Melody's books, you will see that the stones vibrate to a certain number. That That is literally the rate at which the energy of that stone vibrates. So if we can match our energy to something else, then we have a better opportunity of connecting to it. Now, we talk a lot about the idea that the higher and faster something vibrates, the better. And there's some discussion about that as to whether or not that's really true. Is it really more about connection? And, and I don't know. I think it's important to have high vibrations when you're wanting to connect intuitively, right? If you want to connect with your spirit guide or your guardian angel or loved one on the other side, you do need to raise your vibrations to meet them, to meet them halfway. But I think there are other times when you might want to lower your vibration. If you're having a stressful, anxious day, you're going to be vibing kind of chaotically high and you're going to want to slow that down. So I think it depends on what your motivation is for the activity that you're trying to do. I hear that and that's kind of the standard mindset of vibration work. But think about this. These rocks that we work with, they are not vibrating at a fast rate. And yet... They are humming with sacred wisdom. I just invite us to think about that. Even the mountain ranges have such amazing energy and information for us 
the Appalachian Mountains, for example, on the East Coast, the oldest mountains on the planet, infinitely slow vibrations. And yet, is there amazing wisdom there? There is. Trees, the standing people vibrate much slower. You're looking to, to raise your vibration so you can do intuitive work, perhaps so. But if you also are looking for being receptive to vortex energy, for example, you might want to slow down and, and be aware of what's going on around you. Okay, so I asked you this question before we hit record and you just kind of laughed, but <laughs> I'd like to talk about it with listeners as well. What right. if you live in a place that's the opposite of a vortex? Is there such a thing? If there are thin places in the world, if there are portals in the world, if there are ley lines and vortexes of the spiraling energy, are there places in the world that are kind of stagnant or not very spiritual or dense? And what if you're living in one of those? Well, you know what I said to you before we started recording. Yeah, yes, is, and I don't think it's fit for publication. <laughs> it's not, and I'm not gonna, but but I would say this. Yes, I do think that there are places where there may be chaotic energy, where there may be energy that is unhealthy, that has pain. There are lots of, I, I agree. I think there are places that are the opposite of this positive vortex energy that we've been talking about. And, and then I think, okay, do we walk away from those places? Do we just say, okay, we're not going to have anything to do with these places? Do we try to heal them? What what do we do? And I, I don't know that I have a specific answer for that, other than, you know, that notion of holding the planet in light every morning that we've talked about a zillion times on this podcast is something I think is an important thing to continue to do. I do too. And I believe that we, all of us here listening together right now, I think that we are all light workers and we are all trying to bring more light and healing to the world, to our little corner of the world, however we can. And I do believe that no matter where we're living, whether it's a spiritual place or a not spiritual place, I still think we can affect positive change in those areas. And one of the things that I always go back to, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before, I used to watch that show Psychic Detectives, and they would take these wonderful psychic mediums to awful, awful places where murders had happened years before, and they would ask them to tune in and get more information. And there was this one place where a terrible murder had occurred, and these psychics were awesome. Like I used to love to just tune in and watch them because they were so spot on. Pam Coronado was one of them who I, I really like a lot too. Anyway, they could not... They could not pick up the murder in this one area. And it was the first time it had ever happened. And it turned out that a, a nun, it was happened at a convent, outside a convent. A nun had left the convent, walked up this hill to pray, and someone had assaulted her. And so when the two psychics walked up to that hill where this event occurred, they couldn't, they couldn't see it. And the nuns at the convent told them that every day they go up there and pray. And they pray that there's healing where this event occurred to their sister. And the psychic said they think that's why they couldn't tune into it, that they had changed the vibration of that terrible event with all of their positive intent and healing and prayer work. That really stayed with me, how you can take something as dramatic and traumatic as that event and turn it around with consistent positive energy. Love that story. It's a horrible thing to have happened to that sister, but what a lovely thing that, the, that her sisters tried to do. Yeah. And yeah. and there is some, I, I don't want to call it proof, but there's some kind of evidence that it actually worked because 
these two psychics every week after week were just picking up amazing and accurate provable details and this one time they couldn't and i really think it's because of that that prayer so no matter where you're living or what you're going through or how dense your spiritual vibration might be feeling right now just just know that you don't have to get on a plane and travel to Sedona or Stonehenge or Machu Picchu. I think we can try really hard to feel that every day in our own way, whether it's through playing a sound, a crystal healing sound bowl, or you know, listening to the Gregorian chants on YouTube, or laying down with some crystals on your chakras, or just praying and, and talking to your team of invisible helpers. We can, we can bring the spiritual world to us, from us, within us to, to help us heal and grow. I have nothing to add to that except absolutely. That being said, I still would like to go visit all of these places. I have been to Sedona and I, I did feel the beautiful energy there. It was before my spiritual awakening, so I don't think I was as focused on it, but you can definitely feel it when you're there and you can feel it amongst the people there. Have you ever noticed certain certain areas of the world attract certain people? And those oh. are some of the kindest people I've encountered. Absolutely. That's the way I feel about Glastonbury and Cornwall and, and my visits there and standing with my pendulum. Pen, pendulums, when they're placed on a ley line, will just vibrate. They don't spin. And I did not know that until I was standing on the Michael line, you know, in England. Do you think that people can create a vortex? Like, can you, could could a group of people focus their intent and energy and create a vortex? Or do you think that is created by the energy of the earth itself? I do believe we can do that. Have you never stood in a circle of people with an intent and watched the energy circle around the, the group? Yes, I have. But I feel like once we stop connecting with that intent, the energy goes back to what it was before. But maybe but, that's just me. But, but if you send it out with the intent of sending it on as a, as a swirling energy, it goes. That's true. I mean, there are stories of people opening up portals. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> no spooky stuff, Deb? No, you know better, Samantha. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I have certainly been in in prayer circles or in, in circles where we're sending up healing energy or help for, for somebody. And you literally can feel the, the vibration of the intent circling the group and it becomes this entity of its own. We call it raising a cone of power. And it's literally that. You literally are, you clap or drum or, or chant and, and you can feel it. And when it's time to just let it go. Well, remember the magical battle of Britain we talked about on this show a couple of years ago, sure. where Dion Fortune led a group of people to create that vortex of energy to get the German ships away from the shores of England. Right. And that worked. Yeah. It's amazing to think about what we could do with our lives if we took the time to really focus our energy and intent. I think you and I have done that with certain events in our life to some beautiful outcomes but imagine if if we all did that more, if we all came together more to create that positive vortex of energy, what, what we could do, how we could shift things in such a positive direction. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing to focus on? If you look at the all the other research work and books and people that we've cited on this show about the power of thought and intent and prayer, 
I mean, we are a vortex. If you think about it that way, each of us as a spiritual being is a vortex of energy. We can use tools like crystals or visiting sacred sites to enhance that that vortex of energy within us. But we can we can also just be aware that we have that all the time. We just have to use it in a, in a positive direction. Well, Samantha, I certainly hope folks have enjoyed this. And you too might go down some of the rabbit holes that Samantha and I went down to create this episode. Before we wrap up, Deb, I just wanted to say a very special thank you to everyone who's taken time to review our show. Deb and I do look at the reviews and I wanted to read one to you, Deb, that came in recently. Uh, she says, I can't believe I've been listening for 10 years back on iHeartRadio. I've learned so much. I will say, I really miss the spooky mystery episodes. They were so good. Maybe do a part two on the older episodes. So Deb, see, there are people clamoring for more spooky shows. Oh, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know people like spooky shows. I get it. That's what... Our show in October are four. No, no, no. I'm not just going to save that just for October. I'm going to sneak a spooky show in there. I just am before October. That's a long time from now. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Thank you so much to this listener for taking the time to write this review and give us that feedback. Thank you very, very much for that. That's all I want to say. What's your caveat? There's a caveat there. Okay. How about if we do uh, an unsolved mystery show coming up? Can we do that? Hello? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, my fellow spooky lovers. I'll sneak another one in there before October for sure. And we appreciate you guys sending in the suggestions for show topics and leaving us reviews. It does remind us that we are all such a community on this journey together, hand in hand. Thank you guys so much. We hope you have a wonderful week. Please remember, as always, to be the light for yourself and others. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Psychic Teachers, your podcast for seekers, lightworkers, mystics, and magical thinkers. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page, Psychic Teachers, or our websites, samanthafay.com and debbowen.com. I have a new book out called The Awake Dreamer, Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. You can find it wherever books are sold. Thanks for listening and have a great week.